Hey, conscious thinkers, you are listening to the Ignorance Conscience Podcast, a station dedicated to sharing the stories behind the stats and strives to change the world one truth at a time. My name is October, and every Friday we sit down and create an open space to talk about how everyday social justice issues like race, gender, ethnicity, disability, you name it, we talk about it and how we can solve them. Our hope is that as we expose these social justice problems to the light of day and speak truth to them, then the more visible they become, and then hopefully we're that much closer to solving them. After the episode, the conversation continues over in our Conscious Thinkers Facebook group that is linked in the show notes down below. Hopefully you want to join a group that is dedicated to acting justly, living consciously, and loving always. Please pop in. I can't wait to see you there and to hear more about your conscious journey. And remember that no one can silence you but you, so be conscious and rise up. Let's get started. Welcome back to Ignorance Conscious. It's October and we have a wonderful second time guest, Natalie. And now she has her own podcast called Some Kind of Brown, where she talks about mixed relations and just feeling comfortable in your own skin and your own racial identity. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you. Uh, Like you said, I cover all sorts of mixed race things. I talk to people from other mixes. And I talk especially about growing up in the South as a mixed race person because I am from Arkansas. <laughs> so all and sorts of interesting totally crazy stories. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of crazy stories. So when I don't have guests and I'm by myself, you might hear a few of those. <laughs> Awesome. And I'm really excited to have you on because I wanted to talk to you. I think we've had this conversation so many times before that I was like, you know, we finally just have to make this public about how it was growing up mixed and not feeling Black enough and not feeling like you could own your Black identity. Mm -hmm. I am let by appearance, I am half Black and half white. Mm -hmm. But that's not what I am. Um, when I was born in 1991, <laughs> which is starting to feel like longer and longer ago, <laughs> um, in Arkansas, the one drop rule wasn't still a law, but mm-hmm. it was still a practice. Yeah. So um, nobody asked my parents what they wanted us children to be labeled as. And there was nothing that they could have chosen other than other if they had been given the choice all three of my siblings and i are black on paper Mm. well when we got older it it kind of got funny when we started getting our permits and our licenses because we're all different colors and we all have different hair textures Mm. and um different features from different backgrounds and uh I'm not sure what files are going to be found on me when I'm dead, but they're going to have some trouble filtering through who Natalie Evans, the black woman is and who Natalie Evans, the white woman is because sometimes I'm not asked and people just assume I, what I look like. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it actually, it's crazy. When I got my driver's license, there were two clerks that literally argued in front of me about what my race should be. Instead of asking me what I wanted, they're like, she looks white and she's, she's part white, but if we say she's white, 
it's like lying to people because she's actually actually uh she's actually black and I was like what do you mean I'm actually black like <laughs> oh my gosh what does this mean <laughs> and how is that tricking people <laughs> but anyway I am uh, mixed with a lot more things than just Irish and I guess all you can say is African diaspora because I am descended from slaves I am also Choctaw and Eastern Band Cherokee and some more things that we're finding out through the years. I've been more and more in contact with my extended family and finding those things out. But I hung out a lot with the black, which is really mixed side of my family. Right. Because that's where a lot of the color and mix is. Mm -hmm. My dad had four older brothers that were significantly older than him. And we would always hang out with them and their children and their grandchildren who were my second cousins, but they were my age and older, <laughs> um, mostly older. But it was, it was a very strange experience. The first time I realized that I didn't fit with my family, I remember very distinctly, I started ballet in uh not in when i was three right and <laughs> i don't know if this is true for just the south or what but like that's the stereotypical white child thing like, <laughs> all the white little girls do ballet you know when they're little yeah and it, it was very true for my family so my second cousin who i who is like a year older than me. I remember, should I say her name? <laughs> Let's call her Lonnie. Okay. Yes, Lonnie. <laughs> we were on my bed and I was about seven. She was about eight. And we were just listening to good old 90s terrible music and dancing on my bed. And I remember she looked at me and she said, we need to teach you to dance like a black girl. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, hey, <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> She's like, you don't know where your butt is. <laughs> I said, yes, I do. <laughs> it was a whole ordeal. Right. But that was the first time I, I really felt like distant from that side of my family where it never occurred to me before. Yeah, and that makes sense because I feel like that's what everyone kind of equate blackness to. It's either skin color or it's culture. And I'm mm -hmm. like, wait, what do you what do you mean? Like, I mean, because I'm not mixed, and I mean, I think I look black, but I know I have some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I think I look brown pigmented but I know I have family members who are darker than me and especially when I was growing up I wasn't as dark as I am now and so people were like oh you're so yellow you have to get darker what? You're, not, you're not black enough and so I heard it in skin color but then I had the same like like experiences of you like you where I'm like they're like oh you don't eat fried chicken you don't eat lamb. oh my gosh you're not black enough and I'm like so you're not drinking the Kool-Aid yes. <laughs> is it skin color is it culture is it is culture supposed to be what I eat or how I dance is that what culture is so I was like growing up and I'm like 
am I black? Like, and, and it's not even like a mixed thing. I was like, I'm, I'm black. My dad's literally from Africa. <laughs> and my mom, <laughs> my mom is African-American. I'm black. It's just like, people were like, you don't act black. Which is very I hate, <laughs> I hate that I've heard that so if I had a dollar for every time someone told me I didn't act black, I would be richer than Bill Gates. Dead. <laughs> I don't know how much he was worth, is worth. I'm sorry, Bill Gates, if you're actually alive, I would be more rich than him. <laughs> I feel that on a spiritual level. <laughs> but it's so funny. I think that comes from two different things. Mm -hmm. One is that the media itself reduces black people to entertainers. Entertain us by your sport. Entertain us by your singing. Entertain us by your dancing. And to an extent, entertain us by your acting, but only in certain roles until very, very recently. So the media shows the world and shows us in the African diaspora to an extent what we are. We are these things. So I have a friend who studied in South Korea and she can't dance. (laughs) (laughs) And she went to a club and they're like, dance, dance. Black girls know how to dance. She's like, not this one. (laughs) You know, so I think you have that on one side where As far as African-American, African diaspora, whatever you want to call us, I I, want to extend that to all the African diaspora. We don't necessarily know what our culture is because we're we're essentially like a mix of African cultures and then some of whatever was there before. And then, you know, it's almost like the telephone game down the line. Yeah. And I I love that you point that out because I feel like I mean, my dad tries to teach me because I do come from like a set. Like he's like, you're from Africa. This is where that's my, that's my freaking continent. (laughs) What country? Liberia. Okay, cool. Yeah. So he's like, I'm from Liberia. You're Liberian. (laughs) You're going to learn this and that. And so I feel like in that way, which is still weird because I still don't, I still don't connect with that culture. Oh no. (laughs) And it's not even like, it's not his fault. I just like, I haven't been there. I don't really see my dad that often to learn that much about it. Yeah. so it's like, I feel like I'm supposed to have one place to go. I'm, I'm Liberian. I'm supposed to like, this is my culture. But then it's still like, even if you are from a set place of Africa, that can get confusing because of how colonization worked. And so yeah. it's like, but he's African, but he also speaks French. And he also has exactly, yes. culture. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to learn. <laughs> and then my mom is from the South. She's from North Carolina. And so they have like a very set culture and it's mm-hmm. different. And so like, especially coming to college, they're like, don't say African-American, say black. Because Everybody has a different opinion <laughs> on what black should be called. Right. But I tried, the only reason I don't use African-American or rather the only time I use African-American is when I'm talking about someone I know for sure is from America. Right. Because when you use that term, it excludes people who are brought to other countries. And black, even though it seems like a really limiting term, is actually more inclusive. Right. And that's what what made me so uncomfortable before because they were like, 
oh, say black. And I'm like, wait, why? And they were like, oh, because um, it was really weird because I came from the South and my parents telling me that it's, it's culture, it's the way you eat, it's the way you dress, it's the music you listen to. And then I came to college and it's like, you say black because when you're black, you all face the same oppression. And so, so even if you're not from Africa, even if your family ties are in Jamaica or in the Caribbean, you are still all appearing dark skin. And in America, we have a very weird way that we look at dark skin. We all lump them together. So when you're black, it doesn't matter what country you're from. It's the fact that you're black in America and blacks in America face certain types of oppression. So it's unifying but in a negative way yes right you are. So, like, I, I don't, don't like that, that way depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when you look at culture the funny thing is that the media tells us these certain things right. that black is but culture is also really an amalgamation of food and traditions and cultural practices and certain kinds of dances, like things like that. Uh, culture really is defined by those things, but it's not restricted to those things, and it's not as narrow as the media portrays it. So when you're faced with, this is actually what culture is, and this is what media is telling me my culture is, it's very fine line, and you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. And that's where that acting black thing comes, I think, into play because when you say you don't act black enough are you telling me I don't act like my ancestors might be Nigerian so I'm not out there eating a goosey enough <laughs> right. or are you telling me that I'm not twerking on Twitter and that kind of <laughs> exactly and that kind of leads into the question that I, the other question I wanted to ask you is did feeling like you had to be black enough affect the way that you also saw your gender because I feel like going back to that media portrayal the way white women are portrayed and the way black uh, women are portrayed are so vastly different that I also found it that it was affecting like the way that maybe people told me I was supposed to act was supposed to be like the way that white women were portrayed but then when I was around family they were like you're not acting like a black woman enough like they're just oh, so you're not being that loud I'm not Oh, outspoken not black woman. On <laughs> <laughs> not twerking on Instagram. Not how to cook for your man and snatch someone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know because I saw like, it's so weird because I saw white women and they were expected to have, I don't know, this is just my observation. I saw white women as you're supposed to be intelligent. You're supposed to be yeah, trying to well, break educated. into the workforce. You're trying to, you know, um, you're supposed to be like trying to equalize women and men. And then I saw black women and it was like, you're supposed to be, you already work. There was no, because <laughs> you're black anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's the media. You got Chantel with the three kids on the corner. Exactly. If you make her mad. <laughs> exactly. Or touch her kids. <laughs> I saw black women and it was like, you're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be um, hardcore all the time. You can't be vulnerable, which I actually saw as, I don't know, maybe that's just a bad, bad view of feminism, but I was like, oh, well, if you can't be vulnerable all the time, then, like, it felt like you're taking, I think we talked about this before with, like, Disney princesses, where they kind of take femininity away, because yeah. they have to be strong 110% of the time, and work all the time, and take care of your family all the time. I don't know, I just, I always saw white women and black women were treated differently in their expectations, and so 
I always felt like, oh, in school, they kind of want me to be a white woman. I'm supposed to be educated and intelligent and have it all together. But everywhere else, when they see me, they expect me to be loud and angry and breaking my back for other people. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So like, I mean, even though women have similar expectations and stereotypes all around, I just, I noticed that black women are treated differently than white women. And so I didn't know if that was also something that affected you. Uh, To be honest, that is the first time anyone has asked me if I've questioned my gender. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a very thought-provoking question, and I want to do it justice without sitting here for 15 minutes and pondering my life. (laughs) (laughs) It did make me question how I was supposed to act. Especially because there was a period, we moved around a lot as, as kids, mm-hmm. and there was one point where I went to what is now, our city is not officially segregated, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable when you look at the census and when you look at the schools, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's in the numbers. But I went to the black school, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and... I was not streetwise. I had been very sheltered and my parents intended me to be so. And um, even my cousins didn't expect, didn't expect me to act black or whatever. They just, we were just cousins and I was, we're talking middle school. So they never tried to step up to me, you know, but I had classmates on the regular trying to come at me for how I act for how I acted and I was a little bit of a know-it-all because I wanted to be smart mm-hmm. I wanted to be smart and I wanted to see the world and that's all I wanted and I didn't realize that connection to being educated or wanting to appear educated and also wanting to appear white right because by my skin tone and at the time I had relaxed hair I was pretty white passing Except for the fact that I was outside all the time. I tan really easy. So, like, right now, I'm pretty white passing. (laughs) Um, But it was crazy. I was attacked right before we moved schools. This resulted in us moving to the the quote-unquote white school. Um, I was attacked on the playground because this black girl looked at me, called me a mutt, number one, which drives me insane and has always driven me insane. And told me to get out of her way because she was, she would always give me trouble. She was always better than me because she was black. Mm. It's funny. I've, I've received racism from both sides. Yeah. Uh, And she ended up strangling me and hitting my, my head against the metal pole of the playground thing. Wow. Yeah. I lost consciousness. And the last thing I saw was my scrawny little third grade brother zip across the playground and knock her off of me apparently he like lit up her face (laughs) (laughs) I mean as far as you can when you're a third grader but she lost (laughs) I lost and she lost (laughs) but I legitimately had finger marks on my neck and I really questioned I was like am I acting in a way that is offensive that attacks people or makes people feel attacked am I supposed to always be strong and be able to beat up people in the bathroom or like protect myself in the bathroom which is about the same thing you know 
I had no idea. And I'm naturally outspoken. That's the odd thing. I'm naturally outspoken. I'm naturally a very strong personality. But I didn't look black. So even though I acted stereotypically black, minus the Ebonics, I was labeled as acting white. Right. It was very strange. It was very strange. But um, I got over it really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I've always... When I was younger, I've always had a really strong sense of self and sometimes to my detriment, as in I don't belong there. Yeah. You know, like really strong, hard line, I don't belong there, so I'm not going to bother trying, mm-hmm. which expanded when I got older. But it never made me question that. Um, I think I would have to examine that more because it might have impacted me more than I realized now that I think about it. Yeah. And I mean... Yeah, I think that's something I've just started thinking about, too. But I think something that you mentioned earlier about relaxed hair, I feel like that's where, like, Black women and, like, society really clash, is that idea of hair. And I No, not just Black women in society. There are issues in the Black community with women, and they are two things, I think. How you wear your hair (laughs) and colorism. Yeah, and that's not just black women. So yeah. those are like inside the black community, they don't even. I don't want to say they. We don't even know what we're doing. Yeah, it's just it's really it's really funny because I feel like that's like at least for my journey that was like the pinnacle of deciding am I a black woman is like the way I wear my hair because for some reason mm-hmm. they take it and I guess society in general too just takes it so seriously and so mm-hmm. when I was deciding on should I go natural my mother was like, you're not doing that. <laughs> my mother was like, like, she, like it was really, um, I think now she was just trying to protect me. But yeah. Yeah. It go natural. I faced a lot of bullying in school. Yeah. It was just, it was like, it was ridiculous. My mother, like I argued with my mother for at least a year about going natural. <laughs> I was like, mom, I want to go natural. She was like, no, 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 no. That is a phase. (laughs) Forbidden. (laughs) She was like, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And then I finally, I finally chopped off. She had points. She had points. (laughs) She was like, and then I think what happened is I told her, right? Because I told her, um, I'm going to go cut my hair and I'm going to pay for it. Um, can you just drive me? And she was like, I'll drive you, but you're not cutting your hair. You're going to back out. (laughs) (laughs) Famous last words. (laughs) (laughs) So I went and I did it and I walked out and I tell you, like, I didn't do like a transition or anything because my mom was relaxing my hair as possible. She didn't cry. She was shocked as hell. (laughs) She didn't cry. (laughs) And so, but like my mom relaxed my hair so much that when my hairstylist actually cut off all the relaxed parts, my hair was less than an inch. No. Oh my gosh. I look really like I wish I had a picture. And if I do, I'll post it on my blog post for this, um, because I promise you, I probably have some. But, and I'll send them to you too, Natalie, if I find them. But it was so I short. Need to be seen. It was so short. It was like, um, like it like it was like if 
a dude had gotten like a buzz cut like really low yeah. like like it was almost military low i was gonna ask is are, <laughs> are we talking military here because my brother's in the military are we talking military short or are you talking like like i mean you could tell like i had hair but it was oh, it's a little longer than military yeah, a little longer than military but it was short and so i walked out and my mom was like okay <laughs> she was not ready she was like i didn't expect <laughs> you to go through with it and i went through with it and then <laughs> I went to school literally the next day because oh I got it gosh. I got it cut off before the first day of school. And I went to school literally the next day and some people loved it and were like, Oh, you rocking it and was really nice to me. Yeah. And some people like would walk past me, whisper, look at me and think that I wasn't supposed to know they were talking about me. And oh, so it was like Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and then the people who were nice to me which was really funny, were, I had a couple black friends who were nice to me, but it was mostly white people who were like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. Look at that. You look great. You look like a model. That's the thing. That's the thing. Sometimes the most supportive people are white people or people of other cultures. Mm -hmm. But right along with that comes, can I touch it? Exactly. It was like, like, you're supportive, but you're also like, it was like making a spectacle out of me. Yeah, you're also being the worst. (laughs) They were like, oh my gosh, flex, you know, you could be a model. And then like some people didn't know how to touch it, so they'd come up to me and pat my head like I'm a dog. Oh dear Lord. Like, what are you doing? Or people I wouldn't even like, people I didn't know who didn't even talk to me would just look at me. Like I remember one time I was on the bus and a girl just stared at me. And then when she was getting off the bus at a different stop from me, she stopped at my thing and I noticed she had stared, like, been staring at me the entire ride and she just patted my head. And <gasps> went, I had never met this girl in my life. <laughs> no. She didn't say anything. She didn't ask. She didn't say anything. She just came up to me, patted my head and walked off. And I was like, you, do you think that's acceptable? <laughs> I think it's funny that she stared at you before. I've been in line at the grocery store. So I went natural later than you. Mm. And it had nothing to do with um, embracing my blackness or anything like that. And it literally had to do with I was losing my hairline. Mm. My hair texture is too is extra fine. Yeah. Not my texture. My um, like the uh, thickness, like yeah, that. my hair thickness yeah. is extremely fine. So it was destroying my hair and my hair wouldn't grow past my collarbone it just would not grow because it kept breaking off even though I wasn't relaxing but when you relax you only do the roots right Right. but even though I was only doing that and I would like so I would get the lightest relaxer it'd say leave it on for eight minutes I would take it off at five and it would be relaxed so yeah. it was too strong in general for my hair and I was losing my edges and I talked to one of my Haitian friends in college because I didn't know who to go to mm-hmm. and she was natural and she was mixed as well. And I was like, help, help me, <laughs> help me older sister. <laughs> Cause she was, she was up there. Like I idolized her so much, but now she teaches traditional Haitian dance in New York. Like, but, um, she told me that I just need to cut my hair off and I didn't even know what products to use on my hair because my hair had been relaxed since I was seven mm-hmm. because kids would call me. I don't remember the early nineties hair products for black people were pathetic. Yeah. You had pink oil and black gel. That's it. <laughs> and if you were born in the nineties and you tell me you don't know if you are in the, Af- 
African diaspora and you tell me you don't know the smell of either pink oil or black gel, you lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are straight up lying because that was everybody's childhood. <laughs> Just like the smell of relaxers. <laughs> You'd never forget. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> you never forget those things but when I cut my hair off everyone thought I was cute that's the thing no one told me I was brave no one told me anything like that <laughs> no matter what the race was they're like oh you look so cute like a little girl <laughs> I have I still have the worst baby face I'm turning 28 in May and people still think I'm 16 sometimes. <laughs> I don't understand what witchcraft is happening on my face, but it can stay, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'll appreciate it when I'm like 80. But um, I was natural. My hair had grown out to about my shoulders, which means it was like bra strap length. <laughs> I was at the grocery store and I remember feeling this tug on my curls. Oh God. The back of my head. And I was like, what? What is that? And I reached back and kind of like touched my head. I was like, did something get stuck in my head? Like, what is happening? <laughs> I have very loose curls, but I was like, what? I, what is happening? And I turned back around and then I feel it again. Tugs on my curls in the back of my head. This time I turned around and there are these two precious old white ladies <sighs> looking around like, Oh, over there. Oh, I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> they did it all the way through until I checked out and left. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But I also directed a children's choir, and they were on the risers. And there's a seven-year-old who was obsessed with my hair, little white girl. And at the church I was at the time, there wasn't a lot of color. And I wonder if this child had seen a black woman or whatever I am before <laughs> in her life. Because this child, I was standing there watching the mass, waiting for the cues to turn around to the children. And she's on the risers, which means she's at eye level with the back of my head. And I feel two hands just dig up my neck and into the back of my head. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, dig in there. And I froze, and I was like, take your hands out of my hair. <laughs> the microphone was there. I was like, take your hands out of my hair. And I turned around, and she turns to her friend and went, see, I told you it was so curly. And it was loud enough in front of the mic that the entire congregation heard. <laughs> and... Everybody knew who she was talking about, too. So you can hear, like, people trying not to laugh downstairs. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. All of you were fired. I mean, maybe there's not enough representation or what it is, but everyone wants to ask you a bajillion one questions. Like, my yeah. hair needs to be the same as everyone else's hair. And it's just like, look, I can't represent the entire Black community. I'm sorry yeah. you never had curly hair before. Why don't you go watch a YouTube video? <laughs> Like, I don't know and what then to there's tell you. Wigs. And then there's, like, infighting in the Black community about wigs and weaves. And then they're outside of the culture. Everyone's like, is that your hair or a wig? <laughs> 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 or, or is it weave? <laughs> Which one is that? 
Whatever it is, I like your dreadlock braid things. <laughs> Trying to cover all the braid, all the all the bases. With all, with all the lingo. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I just throw them, and one of them is your hair. <laughs> like, it's so it's so weird, but hair definitely was defining for me. Um, it it was very strange growing up, and. I didn't know where I belonged, and to be honest, I got it got to the point in high school, or I think probably junior high, where mm-hmm. I didn't want to be associated with black, and I didn't want to be associated with white. I just wanted to be associated with my Native American heritage, and everybody could just leave me alone, because in my head, um, even though we were somewhat estranged from that side of my family, because of my dad, and I was too young to really follow up with the family, because they were across the country. But um, I had no connections to that. I hadn't had them since I was little. But in my head, I was brown like a Native American person should be. Right. Like, with, and I'm saying Native American very deliberately because at that time I did kind of lump tribes because I, I wasn't educated and um, I was just a kid grasping for some kind of identity. Um, but in my head, I was like, I'm brown enough. My hair is straight because I relax it. <laughs> my cheekbones are high enough. My nose is about the right shape. This is where I belong right. as an identity. So I, in my mind, all I needed was the education for whatever tribe I came from. And I would magically have this identity. And I would never have to worry about anyone calling me white or black or questioning that ever again. But I really came to embrace the black side, and it took a long time. Right. I think when I first wanted to be identified as black was when I got my first real job. Mm-hmm. And I was a job, uh, I was a youth minister in the Catholic Church for almost four years. Mm-hmm. And the priest that hired me, I'll say his name, his name was Father Innocent, <laughs> and he was Nigerian. And at the time, I, I was just singing. I was cantering for the masses. So um, it's more like doing the solo parts of the singing for, during mass if you're not Catholic. And he approached me one day after mass and asked me to apply. And I was 22, which was three years too young. So I had to go through a big process of everybody approving me, which happened. But he was straight from Nigeria. But he hired me and I became more involved in the Nigerian community because he would look at me and he was the first person in my life to look at me as I am and be like, you're Nigerian. (laughs) (laughs) Not just black, not anything. He saw the paleness of my skin. He did not care. He looked at my facial features and he was like, you're Nigerian. And I said, why, why do you think I'm Nigerian? I mean, I know what ship my family came on, but that doesn't tell you what part of Africa they were taken from. Right. And he said, you have great respect for your elders and Nigerian blood is strong. <laughs> so you got that from your Nigerian blood. <laughs> and he's like, you look Nigerian. He said, you take a test and I promise you 100% you are Nigerian. So he was like, you need to get to know your culture. 
just from I think that was like three days in so from then on I was Nigerian and um, there's a very small Catholic Nigerian community uh, two cities over it's about an hour away mm-hmm. and we, we would have parties with them I went they came over to St. Mary's and um, did a Nigerian mass, which, by the way, is way longer. <laughs> way longer. Because <laughs> everybody's going to dance to the altar with their offerings, <laughs> which is beautiful, but it's long. <laughs> Especially if you're singing. Oh, gosh. Oh, no shade. No tea, no shade. It was just long. <laughs> I was not prepared, but um, we had several different things that involved the Nigerian community, and instead of being a bystander, the women would snag me, and I was serving or cooking or, like, taking care of the kids with them. They're like, you're Nigerian, come here. But, um, yeah, they're like, we have night light-skinned Nigerians. We have dark-skinned Nigerians. You just light skin is fine. <laughs> like, and so they taught me how to dance. Some of the like the ways they dance, um, which oddly still in- involves the butt, even when it's in church, <laughs> was a little surprising for me. But you know what? Hey, it was fun. So, like, I, I learned some Nigerian dances from them. I listen to a lot of Nigerian music now mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I learned how to cook igusi which is I miss it so much if anyone's out there who's listening who's Nigerian and wants to help a sister out like one day overnight mail me some igusi like <laughs> some igusi with fufu <laughs> please because I learned once and forgot <laughs> but you know that was the first time I had positive connotations and positive interactions with black people who didn't try to change or alter anything about me. Mm. And there is a difference between people who are African and people who are African-American or somewhere in the diaspora because there's a missing history. Yeah. But it was very, it was almost like liberating. Like, Oh, now that I have this approval from this African group, now I can be and express my blackness. However, I feel I want to embrace my blackness. I was natural then and I was blonde, which had killed my hair and mm-hmm. <laughs> I dyed my hair back to black. Uh, it's really like naturally brown, but I dyed it black knowing it would fade and I started wearing head wraps and like looking up head wrap tutorials <laughs> or like the hair wraps uh, which are so fun yeah and I was like yes I am a black woman <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's always more complicated than that but that was like the first step to me really wanting to get back in touch with my family really wanting to get in touch with my culture learn my my family history because my family has been in hot springs for forever and that just opened that door and ever i've never gone back do i call myself mixed or multiracial yes i identify as multiracial but for me it's a both and so i'm multiracial and i'm black so that's 
an accepted part of my personality now. Mm -hmm. uh, it took a long while to get there for me, though. It was very, very interesting journey. All right, thinkers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again to Natalie for coming on and having this really awesome discussion with me. And this was my first like singles episode. If you guys heard the 2019 goals and updates podcast that I put up around like the beginning of January, I talked about how I really wanted to do more um, fluid conversations that showed more about my past um, and just talking to you guys about who I am as a person and sharing myself more on this channel so there's gonna be conversations like this there's gonna be solos um, and things like that going forward that just share more of me so I hope you enjoyed this more laid black <laughs> wow <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this more laid back um, fluid kind of episode and <laughs> that you guys are hopefully happy to hear more. If you want to hear more of the conversation that me and Nat had, this was a collaboration. So go over to Natalie's podcast, Some Kind of Brown. It'll be linked in the show notes down below. And you can hear a part two of our conversation where I'm talking to Natalie about code switching. Um, we talk a lot about what it means to be black and trying to come up with like a definition of what identifying as black means to us. Um, and it was just an awesome conversation so if you guys want to hear more of our convo you can head over to her channel also if you guys are interested in learning more about black history and the topic overall we are doing a rise up in journal printable to go along with it i did a vote in my facebook group and black history won so what we're going to be doing is i'm going to release a printable tomorrow look out for it on the website www.ignorancecounters.com selfless plug <laughs> I'll be posting a printable with different prompts for Black History Month, so inventions, people you might not have known about, movements you might not have known about, um, and just different facts about Black History that aren't really in our textbooks. And then hopefully you guys will join the Rise Up in Journal um, challenge where you journal about it in any way that um, you know makes sense to how you process things. So. Whether you're an art journaler, you're just a words journaler, you write poems, you write stories, you draw, you paint, you whatever um, helps you process that information. Um, and then that way we can all kind of see where our heads are at about these different facts and come together and learn together. So hopefully you'll join that challenge. And if you want to, like I said, the printable will be on our website for free. You just download it and follow along. Other than that, if you want to check out more of me, I'm on Instagram at IgnoranceConscience and on Twitter at StayIGConscious. And of course, you can find all of my written work and all the freebies that I offer on our website, www.ignoranceconscious.com. And remember that the only person who can silence you is you. So be conscious and rise up. Go get to work.